This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. It is now 8.15 on this Monday morning, today the 9th of November. You're tuned in to WGNS. Good morning to you. And on the air with us this morning, Dr. Craig McCabe, who is on the road today. Dr. McCabe, how are you this morning? I'm doing fine. I hope everyone else out there is doing fine, enjoying the beautiful colors that we have in Rutherford County. It has been so nice outside lately, and I've, you know, yesterday got up to like 80 degrees. I was quite surprised by that for November. Yeah, it's supposed to be like that today as well, isn't it? I I believe so, which is wild for November because it was colder in October. Yeah, in a couple days it'll cool off, but it's still going to be warm for a little while. Definitely so, but you know, with all the changing of the weather, going hot to cold, we're going to see more allergies pop up, I'm sure. Well, of, of course, you know, my, my weakness in the pollen count is ragweed, and that's been uh, very high in the last, really, two months. But now it's going to turn over to be more tree pollen, just like you said, from the falling leaves. You know, a lot of things going on out there with a lot of folks, you know, everything from the allergies, which, you know, have an impact on the eyes, but also eye disease, something that I don't think we talk about enough, but there are so many different eye diseases out there, and I guess people could have symptoms of them ahead of time, never really knowing what they are. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is I remember way back when I was doing my training, you know, when dinosaurs roamed the earth, and I remember going into the medical library there at Vanderbilt, and there was a whole long aisle of textbooks, uh, journal articles and everything for cardiology, the study of the heart and all the blood supply in the body. And right next to it was another aisle just as long and thick on ophthalmology. So even though the eye is only really about one ounce in volume, uh, there are many things with the eye. You know, you've heard of the eye as the windows to the soul. And indeed, uh, 60% of neurological diseases have eye findings. Um, 20% of the time for the first diagnosis of diabetes, it's made by an eye doctor. So there are many things that you can see in the findings with the eyes, and one of the reasons is that we're the only subset of specialists that can actually see the red blood cells go through the blood vessels uh, in the back of the retina. And interestingly, along this line, I'm glad you brought it up, is that there was just a study out that looked at the retinal blood vessels of patients who were COVID-19 positive. Oh, wow. Indeed, they had a shrinkage in the diameter 
of their retinal veins because it's thought that the SARS-CoV-2 virus uh, infects the endothelial cells, uh, cells, which are the lining of the blood vessels, and it decreases their diameter. And so the study showed that they could make a correlation between whether these patients got the COVID-19, but more interestingly, how severe their disease condition was going to be by how narrowed these retinal blood vessels were. That is so wild. Yeah, hopefully that's not too nerdy this early <laughs> on a Monday morning. But just another example of how uh, there's truly a lot you can see in your eyes. And more to that point, when you get your eye exam, don't think of just going in for glasses or contacts with a cursory scan of your eyes is good enough. You need to go somewhere where you get a thorough, detailed eye exam and they spend some time looking at your eyes, discussing the issues with you, where you're not rushing in and out. But you can save those quick exams if you do want to do just glasses or contacts. But to have a medical exam of your eye, you know, just understand that that's going to take some time and you need to go to a place that does that kind of thorough eye exam. And you should do that uh, close to once every year, every other year. And in that way, you may help find out other things about your whole body, but uh, certainly keep your eyes in the best condition possible. You know, it, it's fascinating. You brought up uh, spotting COVID within the eyes, but COVID, bird flu, the avian influenza, SARS, all of this stuff is related to COVID-19, which is even more fascinating. If, I guess you're a medical nerd, it's fascinating, but it's, it, it is very interesting when you look at it all. Yeah, yeah, even the common cold, uh, that is another one of the coronaviruses. And so uh, these viruses that cause these things uh, were in the same family of viruses, if you will. And so they have similar properties. And indeed, people, you know, over, gosh, where did I just hear, 10 million people in the United States, I believe, uh, have been tested as COVID, pos- uh, COVID positive. And so now we're having daily totals in the U.S. where there's 110, 120, 130,000 new cases per day. And everyone, of course, needs to take all the precautionary uh treatments that we've all heard, you know, wear a mask, both parties, whenever you're closer than six feet, I'd say closer than eight feet. And of course, wash your hands uh, frequently. And, you know, try to take care of yourself and try to, when you have to associate with people, try to do things more outside than inside. Now, fortunately, we've had nice weather. But like I said, in a week or two, things are going to start to cool off as per the norm here in Rutherford County. Now, on the positive side of all of this, when you look at the big numbers of millions, well, also millions have recovered from COVID-19 already. Oh, absolutely. And about 70% are asymptomatic, which is kind of interesting, but 
uh, the CDC defines asymptomatic of having one or less symptom, not none, but one or less. And uh, the current guidelines are that if you have been in close contact with a known positive, so that would be, uh, they've defined it as greater than 15 total minutes over a single 24-hour period, that's considered a significant contact, then you should get tested about five days later. If you get tested too soon, the test will come back negative because not enough has built up to be sensitive for the test. And I think it's important to get tested because if you know that you're positive, even if you're asymptomatic, then of course you should not be around anybody to then spread it further. Because just because the virus that gave you hardly any symptoms doesn't mean to the next person it's not going to hurt them significantly. But you're right. Um, most cases by far, you know, 85% don't go to the hospital. But the ones that do, and that's usually because not only do they have just a significantly high fever, but they're having difficulty breathing. That's what kind of gets you into the hospital. Then uh, we want to decrease that spread as much as possible. Um, you know, I wish our country was doing something to help us and guide us in all these things, but I think we all have to do this for ourselves and our own families. We just got a text message here. Somebody said... The interesting thing also about all of this is that if anyone has had cold or flu-type symptoms over the past several months, chances are good they've been tested for COVID-19, and a lot of those folks tested negative. So we still have the regular, traditional, old-fashioned cold to deal with. Yeah, exactly. And this gives you a spectrum for how sick you are when you do get infected with this coronavirus. So the mild symptoms are maybe you have loose stools, you have a little bit of a dry cough, um, you won't have a fever, you won't have shortness of breath. But what many people are saying is that they feel fatigued. And it's kind of those same symptoms as if you had maybe a virus that was a stomach virus or the common cold kind of virus, although it's not as heavy, so to speak, on the sinuses. It's only light as far as having a runny nose and having to blow your nose all the time. But just because you go in and you check your temperature, that does not mean that you're not infected or you haven't got or haven't received an infection because you don't have a fever because you don't have shortness of breath because the majority of cases have these milder symptoms without a fever without shortness of breath and it's the ones that do have a lot of fever a lot of shortness of breath they're the ones that unfortunately struggle hard with this virus 
Dr. Craig McCabe with us, eye doctor here in town, and he is on the road today, so he is joining us by phone this morning. Moving on to eyes. I know a lot mm-hmm. of people have issues with eye strain, especially as they get older, and I was reading yesterday, and I didn't realize this, but I was reading yesterday, I believe it was Ben Franklin who invented the bifocals because he was farsighted and nearsighted as well. But a lot of people have issues with both. Yeah, Ben Ben Franklin, an amazing inventor. Dentures. Oh. Came out with the dentures. But you're right, the first um, bifocals, and he realized that if you had a magnifying lens, which they had back then, and you put that in glasses, people could read once they were older than 45. And you know what? It hasn't changed in our country. When you hit the mid-40s now, you're going to need... Well, either greatly longer arms than you have had, because <laughs> you have to hold things further away, but to hold them up closer to your face and read them, then you have to have some kind of magnifying lenses. And that could be a simple pair of readers or cheaters that you get at the drugstores, or it could be that you need to have a bifocal on your regular glasses. And so, yeah, that's, that's common. You know, an- another thing that a lot of people complain to me about is floaters in their vision and they're more of a nuisance than a disease or a pathological problem they don't hurt your eyes they just kind of bug the heck out of you when they're right in the center of your vision and recently there's been a new technology uh, using a laser that can vaporize or get rid of those floaters in your eyes if they bother you significantly and I'm happy to say that we're the uh, first office in Middle Tennessee to acquire that. And so if someone does have problems with floaters, um, we would be more than happy to evaluate you to see if you're a good candidate for that quick treatment. Now, the title of uh, being nearsighted or being farsighted always kind of confuses me at times, and I forget which is which, because farsighted, that would be for the folks who, what, they see clearly far but not up close, or is it vice versa? So let's say it's how you see better, and let's say it's for people younger than 45. And if you do that, then you'll get it straight. So far-sighted means that you have better sight at far or distance. Near-sighted means you have better sight at near, up close, than you do in the distance. But like I said, once everybody hits 45, even if they're nearsighted, their sight up close will start to go away, and they'll have to hold things further away. It all has to do with the curvature of the front part of the eye of the cornea and the length of the eyeball. And technically, people who are nearsighted, the rays that come in through the cornea and the pupil, before they hit the retina, they will focus short of the retina or near of the retina. <clears throat> and people who see better in the distance, their focus will be past the retina. So, However, when you wear glasses, you can correct that or contacts. But when you hit 45, the lens inside of our eyes that focus light eventually becomes a cataract. That hardens and stiffens, and it can't change its shape. 
So no matter whether you're nearsighted or farsighted, your sight up close will get worse as we get into our later 40s, 50s. So you have folks who are, you know, over 40, but yet, you know, I'll see them holding a book extremely close to their face, mm-hmm. which, you know, I guess typically that's not what you usually see at 40 plus. Usually it's what you were saying where a lot of people have to hold that book a little bit further out. So why, why is that? Well, when you see them do this, you see them take off their glasses which they require to see in the distance. So they are usually quite nearsighted, which means their prescription is probably minus four or greater. If you were to look on a little contact lens box or look on the prescription that the doctor gives you to go get your glasses. So if it's a minus sign, then that means you're nearsighted. If it's a plus sign, it means you're farsighted. Now, that's different from astigmatism, but we're just talking about near and farsightedness. And so people who are nearsighted can take their glasses off and actually see very well up close, but they can't see anything past a few feet from their face. They have to wear their distance glasses for that. So what in the world is a deal with astigmatism? Because I do hear that a lot, and I guess that's fairly common, too. Yes, so I just told you that when you're nearsighted, the focal point of the eye is in front of the retina, and when you're farsighted, the focal point is beyond the retina. With astigmatism, the focal point is on the retina, but you instead of having one, you have multiple focal points, and that causes blurred vision, and that arises from the cornea, the front clear part of our eye, of it not being perfectly round, like, say, a beach ball. If you were to put your hands on each side of a beach ball and push in, then the top of that beach ball would be more curved where you're pressing in and flatter where you're not, and hence different curvatures to that surface. And people have the same things with their cornea, that front clear part. If it's not perfectly round, like the surface of a ball, but has different curvatures to it, then they'll have different focal points on the retina, and that causes visual confusion or blurred vision. And astigmatism can be corrected when it's regular astigmatism, which is the normal kind, with glasses or contacts. So could astigmatism also be corrected with any type of surgery, or is that a no-go? So if there's two types of astigmatism, regular and irregular. And if you have the regular type, then that can be corrected. Uh, Just like nearsightedness and farsightedness, say before the age of 40, with something called LASIK surgery or laser eye surgery. And then after that, especially after the age of 50, when we start to develop cataracts, then you can get special lens implants that permanently correct the astigmatism with a lens implant inside the eye. And this brings about a very cogent point. If anyone or your loved one that you know is going for cataract surgery, 
make sure that they've had a thorough discussion with their surgeon, the person who's going to do the surgery, ahead of the surgery day about correcting their nearsighted, their farsightedness, and their astigmatism. If you don't have that discussion ahead and talk about what your options are there, you will not end up with as good a vision as you could because you want to correct those things as best as possible, and that will give you better vision for the rest of your life. Okay, so the uh, the lens implant procedure, that could be done for those over 40, right? Or is it only those pre-40? So, if your eyes are healthy and normal, and you want to get rid of glasses or contacts, and you're 40 or less, I think LASIK surgery is the best, safest way to go. However, it's not permanent, and people need to understand this. LASIK only corrects one vision distance, either nearsightedness or farsightedness and astigmatism, but it won't correct the need for reading glasses as we get older. So past 40, you know, we get to be 45 or 50, like we're saying, you'll still need reading glasses, even though you paid a lot of money to have that LASIK surgery. And they should explain that to you, of course, the surgeon again, before you have that done. But after that, lens implants are the best way to correct your vision. And they will give you a permanent fix to correct your vision for the rest of your life, where the LASIK is not. But the lens implants are. Now, it's not recommended that you get the lens implants until after the age of 50. And then LASIK is best before the age of 40. Does that make sense? Yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, Dr. Craig McCabe, the eye doctor, on the air with us this morning. Now, we have a text message. By the way, anybody can text us questions. 615-893-1450. Now, this question is about a lazy eye. It says, I'm told the eye searches for the best vision and wanders to find it and focuses in that area. It says, can you explain more about the lazy eye? Yes, absolutely. So, a lazy eye, there are different types. We all have seen people, and we're a little bit uncomfortable looking at them and having a discussion when one eye is looking one way and the other eye is looking slightly off, either horizontally or vertically, but it's not looking at the same place. And most of those folks as a child had a lazy eye. Now, pediatricians are very good at detecting this at an early age. The importance of this is that in order to correct it, the earlier it can be treated, and I'm talking about when they're six months, one year, two years old, you have the best outcome with vision for that child for the rest of their life. So if you have a family history of a lazy eye 
or the technical term is amblyopia, absolutely make sure that you get your baby checked by an ophthalmologist by the time they're six months old, if it runs in the family. Now, fortunately, it happens infrequently. It's not rare, but it's not uncommon. So if that's in the family history, get your child checked six months, one year, two years old. If it doesn't run in the family and you don't see it, then you're in the 99% of cases that don't have it. However, once the child reaches the age of about seven years old, it cannot be corrected with the current technology that we have now for the rest of their life. Now, unfortunately, if you were born 50, 60, 70 years ago, we were very poor at diagnosing this in small babies. Interestingly, you can still have this lazy eye even when both eyes appear to look exactly in the same place. And this is for people that have one eye that sees very well without glasses and one eye that is either very farsighted or very nearsighted. You can't tell that that vision in that eye is very blurred unless you cover up one eye or the other, and then you'll see when you cover up the good-seeing eye in that small child, they will be very unhappy because their vision will be very blurred and they can't see the world like they need to. If you cover up the bad eye, it won't bother them at all because they still see out of the good one. And pediatricians now are very good at checking this. But if it runs in the family, then get it checked right away. And they can end up with very good vision if it's treated very early. But after the age of seven, unfortunately, these people can't improve their vision after that. And that's something called amblyopia or a lazy eye. And that person is correct that... Uh, texted that, and that's because one eye is blurred, one eye sees well, so the brain picks the eye that sees well because it needs a good picture for you to survive and do well. So it will ignore the eye that doesn't. Very and, interesting. Yeah, and those connections that form from the eyeball to the brain happen from uh, just before birth, to about six or seven years after. That's why you have to correct it within that time period, because otherwise those connections have formed, and the brain does not change its connections much at all after that time. So that's why you have to connect it or correct it before that age. Amblyopia, lazy eye. Dr. Craig McCabe, local eye doctor here in Murfreesboro, on the air with us this morning. We are going to take a short break, but we will be right back. And during this break, we will take a look at the forecast. Time right now, 842. Make sure you stay with us again. More Dr. Craig McCabe is coming up. And once more, the time, 842 today, Monday, November the 9th. Stay with us. Again, a check on that forecast is next. The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. We're Rutherford County's Place to Talk. 
First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna is reminding you not to wait on that next car repair job. As a matter of fact, if you're a teacher or first responder, there are special discounts available to you on your next job. So stop by First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. That's First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. And here is a look at that forecast brought to you by First Class Sales and Service located in Smyrna. We'll see mostly sunny skies here this afternoon, a high around 80 degrees. Winds out of the southeast to 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight's slight chance for rain light alone near 6C. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 60. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. When it's getting cold outside and you don't want to really get out of your car, Demas's has now started a curbside service. So you can order online, put your make and model of your car into the website, and when the food is ready, we will bring it out to your car and therefore you can still be in your pajamas and come and get lunch and go back to your home if you want to curbside service. It's just another level of service of which we are trying to provide the residents of Murfreesboro. Visit us online at demasrestaurants.com. News time right now, 8.43, time for an election update. CBS News special report, a major development on a coronavirus vaccine. Pfizer says its version has proven 90% effective in late-stage trials. CBS News medical contributor Dr. David Agus. The clinical trial will be ongoing, but they're going to file the data with the FDA over the next days, and then we could have a vaccine available to the general public next month. President-elect Joe Biden calls it excellent news, but cautions it'll be many more months before there's widespread vaccination. Dr. William Schaffner at Vanderbilt University. The first priority group will be healthcare workers who have direct care of patients with COVID or who might have COVID. President Trump's tweeted, stock market up big, such great news. Dow futures are ahead 1581, more than five and a half percent. Business analyst Jill Schlesinger. I think investors are sort of wise. They're saying, hey, I'm not investing for the next six minutes. I'm looking at the next six years. We're going to get beyond this. This is great. CBS News special report. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. If I could talk to the animals. Here at Animal City, we are open for in-store shopping and also happy to offer curbside delivery if that's your preference. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City. We are long-term pet lovers and pet keepers too, so we make sure to have our store stocked with all the specialty products your pets need, like a wide selection of premium foods, animal habitats, and toys. Animal City, 919 Northwest Broad Street. Thank you for allowing us to serve you for 30 years. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, Analexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. First National Bank of Murfreesboro is growing to serve you better. Hi, I'm Shelly Rigsby. And in mid-November, our name changes to Capstar Bank. Our staff will be the same, but we'll be able to do so much more. First National Bank of Murfreesboro will soon become Capstar, a full-service bank with a small-town feel. We believe in keeping our personal relationships. First National Bank of Murfreesboro, soon Capstar, member FDIC. Good morning, still move around the line 24 as you come out of Rutherford County into Davidson County up through that construction on 40, 24 westbound up by Hickory Hollow Parkway. It's heavy, but it's moving inbound 41 Murfreesboro Pike. Just give yourself extra time. We've seen quite a bit of radar out here this morning. Sleep with the sharks in a grown-up atmosphere at Ripley's Aquarium in the Smokies, December 26th and 27th. Check it out, ripleysaquarium.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Wolfwagon Mobile Dog Grooming. Grooming big dogs, little 
Little dogs, small dogs, the Wolf Wagon, mobile dog grooming, grooming dogs of all sizes, anxious dogs. Call 615-663-8139. Feisty dogs. Find them on Facebook, the Wolf Wagon. The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. We're Rutherford County's place to talk. News time right now, 8.47. You're tuned in to WGNS on the airwaves since 1947. With us this morning, Dr. Craig McCabe. And we have several text messages here to get to. Again, Dr. Craig McCabe with us. Dr. McCabe, uh, let me, I guess, let me get to this first text message here. It says, I have a lawn mowing company and for the past few weeks, my eyesight has been worse they have also been watering. My job has changed from mowing to picking up leaves. Is my eye problem related to the leaves? Boy, it sure sounds like it. And I hope everybody that works in the yard or uh, either for pleasure uh, or as um, not recreation, but as their job, wears protective eyewear. That certainly will help a lot of things from flying into your eyes uh, and causing worse damage. But certainly this sounds like a typical uh, case of allergic conjunctivitis or allergies. And we know the pollen counts are high, as we talked about earlier. So um, what I recommend is there is a very good eye drop that five months ago was the best prescription eye drop for allergic conjunctivitis that has now gone over the counter. And so now anybody can just walk into a grocery or drugstore and pick it up. And it's called Pataday, P-A-T-A-D-A-Y. Comes in both a twice a day and a once a day formula. And uh, pick up a bottle of that. Use that if you have uh, itchy, watery eyes. Uh, especially when you go outside. And then what you need to do is you need to put the drop in about 15 minutes before you start your day outside. And if you do that, often your symptoms will be much uh, improved. And if you can wear some protective glasses, even uh, like wraparound sunglasses, that will keep a lot of wind and other dust and pollen out of your eyes. Uh, Often people that have allergies and allergic conjunctivitis often also have a dry eye problem. So they may need to have an artificial lubricating teardrop as well, which is once again over the counter at any drugstore. And there's several brands there. As long as you get one of the brand name ones, I would say, rather than a a store uh, brand one, which can typically have a higher preservative amount in it. But if you stay with those brand-name ones on the artificial teardrops, you use those and you use the allergy drop, uh, I think it'll make a big difference and improve uh, that person and other people who have similar symptoms. And uh, here's another text message. I'm about to turn 80, and my night vision has started keeping me from getting out of the house after dark. Can anything be done about this? Well, of course, what is the reason for why you have poor night vision? You should be 80, 90 years old and still have fairly good night vision. 
But if you've developed cataracts, uh, that is the leading cause in our country of poor night vision. So uh, the symptoms of that are glare and halos from oncoming car headlights. You have to get closer to street signs than you used to to read them. Maybe more difficulty reading small print. But certainly what we notice in our office is people will reschedule their life so they try to do everything during the day and they don't go out after dark which i think sunset now is about 4:40 p.m. so that's pretty early in the day um so you know we'll all ask patients you know do you have any problems uh driving at night and and they'll say no i don't have any problems in the evening and i'll say well when's the last time you were driving at night and say, well, I, I don't need to go out after dark anymore. You know, I've got no business being out then. And I'll say, well, 10 years ago, you were probably going out to dinner, going out to the movies, which you really can't do much now, but going out shopping, whatever it is, going to see friends, going to church. And so they will curtail their life. They'll shrink it so that they avoid where they don't feel as comfortable or as safe. But yet they'll still think that their vision's fine. So the first thing to cure in a problem is to recognize it, of course. And then the second thing is to get it diagnosed, and the third thing is to treat it. And that's why everybody should have a detailed, thorough eye exam. And here is another question we got. It says, my son is in the third grade and with schools doing distant learning. I noticed that she gets really close to our small computer. Should we do anything about this, or is this normal? Did it say how old? Third grade. So uh, what is third grade? I don't know about what. Third grade's eight. Eight? Pretty much add five is the way to do it. Ah. So so they're about eight years old. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, we everyone who can remember back when they were very young or has had a kid or grandkid, you know, when they're two, three, uh, even four years old, they'll get their face maybe like a foot from the TV, and they'll have no problem with it, and it's great. It's like an IMAX theater to them. And they can do it because the lens in their eye is really, really flexible and can't, can change its shape. But it starts to grow and thicken even at that early age. And you'll see when they're like six, seven years old, they'll start to move maybe four feet away from the TV. They won't sit that close anymore because it's harder for them to focus for long times that close. So they'll start to move back. So if we're saying someone in eight, that's eight years old, likes to be right up close for a significant period of time, in order to accomplish that, usually they're nearsighted. So I would say, yeah, it'd be a good idea to get them checked. It's probably not a disease at all. Just maybe they're a, bit, a little bit nearsighted. And, you know, this affects school performance. Unless they're sitting in the front of the classroom, if they're in the back of the classroom, that whiteboard is going to be blurrier and harder for them to read small print. So absolutely, um, that's, a, that's kind of a sign that you should get uh, your child's eyes checked. Dr. Craig McCabe, eye doctor on the air with us this morning. Here's an interesting text message here. It says that 
they don't want to jump to the worst and contact a neurologist, but they constantly have headaches. So I guess the question is, could it be eyesight or could an eye doctor possibly be that first link in saying, well, it could be a tumor? Wow. Yeah, we are jumping there. Let's not make that jump yet. That is a diagnosis of exclusion. Headaches are extremely common. You know, there's different types of headaches. There's muscle tension headaches from not having good posture uh, at your occupation or in front of the computer. There are migraine headaches, which is typically a unilateral throbbing headache and you can be woken up from in the morning. They can be simple migraines where you have just the headache. They can be um, classic migraine headaches, which the headache is preceded by a visual aura. They will have flashing colored jagged lights for a minute or two in their vision, and then that's followed by a headache. That's a classic migraine. Or they can have just that visual aura without a headache. And that's called an ophthalmic or an ocular migraine. And then there's the worst kind, which are complicated migraines, which you have the headache and you also have maybe some difficulty talking or some weakness in your arm. You may think it's a stroke or something. So there's all these different types of migraine headaches or headaches, and you need to get it uh, checked out. You really do. And I'll tell you, though, 2% of all headache pain is from the eyes. Most of it is referred to the eyes or the forehead. Um, and so you feel like there's something wrong with your eyes. But if you go to a primary care, they may start you on some medicine, but if it's anything more than that, they're going to send you to the eye doctor to make sure that you're not nearsighted or farsighted and need a glasses prescription, because if so, lots of times that will help it. Even if your glasses prescription is off and you correct it, that will make your headaches uh, less intense, less frequent, um, and of shorter duration. So typically headaches are not caused by the eyes, but they can be. But if you haven't had an eye exam, uh, they'll pretty much always refer you to an eye doctor first before going to a neurologist or something like that you know it's interesting you brought up you know muscle pain things like that can also cause headaches and i've i've heard many times before that a lot of times neck soreness can actually lead to headaches so if you have you know a, a bad muscle in the neck that maybe has been worked too hard or you twisted something in your neck it can lead to headaches absolutely um uh, the deltoids and other muscles uh, interact with the uh, cervical neck muscles that go up into the scalp, and they'll actually feel that pain radiate from their shoulders up the back of their neck over the top of their head to their forehead. And so absolutely muscle tension headaches is one of the most common headaches, and it's usually from people that are hunched over when they're working on the computer or how they sit typing or how they sit for doing paperwork or whatever. And one of the best things you can do for yourself is to keep your back straight, have your thighs and forearms parallel to the ground. And when you're looking at a computer monitor, the center of that monitor 
should be just below the center of the height of your eyes. So you shouldn't be looking straight at it. You shouldn't be looking up at it. With your head in a neutral position, you should look just down about 15 degrees, but just down a little bit to see the center of that monitor. And that puts your spine, your neck, your limbs in the correct anatomical position where they're supported by the skeleton and have the least strain on muscles to hold your body and your head up. So oftentimes a correction like that. And, you know, we see so many older folks walking around and they're bent over facing the ground. So this is something we all do. And what I encourage everyone listening now to do, if they can, is to just stand up next to a wall and put your head and your shoulder blades, you know, back against the wall and your feet close to the back of the wall. <clears throat> and you'll see how that stretches out your shoulders and your chest and aligns up your skeleton, your frame. And sometimes it hurts to do that. And that's because your body is starting to <clears throat> grow into this bad posture of being hunched over, which leads to the muscle tension headaches and neck problems and back problems and all kinds of things. We so are give that a try. Time. Yeah, give that a try. And I think you'll find it, uh, you know, very enlightening about how what's happened to your posture over the years. Dr. Craig McCabe, eye doctor with us here in Murfreesboro on the air with us this morning. And we actually went over this morning. Dr. McCabe, thank you very much for joining us. Hey, my pleasure. I hope everyone has a great month and everyone be careful, do the right things, look after other people. Sounds good. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Time right now, nine o'clock. Local news comes your way next, followed by CBS News.